0: In this week's episode of Investees, I'm going to clarify the difference between stock market exposure and being a direct shareholder. The two of these are commonly confused. If you've heard me speak on the stock market, if you've read my book, if you've listened to the trailer of this podcast then you have heard me share the statistic that only 15% of Americans are direct shareholders. And out of those 15%, only 1% are Black and only 0.5% are Latine. The stock market and economics overall is a topic that I am extremely passionate about. And I want it to be accessible But I think more importantly, I want us to know that we are more than capable of understanding the system and playing the game. We are more than just consumers. I have been studying data on our community for over 20 years. I feel like I've developed a strong enough perspective to understand where we are mentally and emotionally versus the way society perceives us. And while data on our community was my first passion, I am obsessed with the stock market and economics. The more I explore this space, the more I fall in love with it, but also the more angry I get at the barrier to entry. You're listening to a girl that has not lived with her parents since the age of 12. I was in gangs. I was a mother at 14 years old. I have faced all types of abuse. I was homeless, couch surfing at one point. I developed a drug addiction. It was an attempt to self-medicate. I honestly could go on and on about the experiences that I've had in my life. And I am fully aware that those negative experiences could have directed me towards having a completely different life than the one that I have now. From my personal perspective, the biggest hurdle that I have had getting to where I am today is not seeing any other Latines taking up space in the stock market, and in economics. Of course, growing up, I didn't know anyone that was participating in the stock market or talking about economics. I am the first one. And understanding that only 15% of Americans participate in the stock market as direct shareholders makes this an even bigger issue. It makes me wonder why publicly traded companies are public. Who are publicly traded companies public for? For whose gain? I also didn't see people of color discussing or conversating about economics. And if I add my personal life experiences and everything that that comes with, what I am doing right now feels absolutely impossible. So yeah, of course, it shocks me that this is something that I'm passionate about and that this is something that I'm actually executing. We are actually out here talking about economics, breaking things down, and we're not code switching, and we're not assimilating. We're showing up just the way we are. I learned very early on that I was a shame. I learned very early on that I was a statistic and that the odds were not in my favor. However, what I am learning now is that I am a very intelligent person and that I have the capability to understand very complex systems. And not only do I understand complex systems, but I have the ability to simplify them so that others can understand them as well. But you know what I think makes me really intelligent? is knowing and understanding that this ability is not exclusive to me as a person. This is accessible to all of us. The problem here is that many of us, especially in communities of color, do not know that intelligence is accessible. There's almost like something from within that by default believes that we are not smart, that we're stupid. And that is so freaking far from the truth. Despite our circumstances, despite our past, despite our traumas, despite our family members, despite the schools, despite the system, we are more than capable and intelligent And my hope is that in me sharing who I am with my honest lived experiences, that I reflect your lived experiences and that you have the proof you need to be whatever it is that you want to be. I really need you to know that. Like for real, for real, I need you to know that. And I also really need you to know the difference between stock market exposure and being a direct shareholder. But before we get into that, we're gonna take a quick break. Are you an investee, but you haven't started investing yet? We gotta fix that right now. I am holding my next stock market virtually live course on Saturday, November 4th and Sunday, November 5th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central on both days. You will have access to me directly. I'm going to break down the stock market in very simple terms in ways that you will understand. And let me tell you, by the time you're done taking this crash course, you're going to understand the stock market at an intermediate level. For more information, head over to my website, inlosewetrust.com. Look for Wealth Warrior, the course, and you will find all of the information on the course, including the course curriculum. I'll see you this November. And we're back. The difference between exposure and direct ownership of the stock market Also referred to as shareholder is pretty massive and most of us, especially those that have exposure, don't really understand the difference. And honestly, I really don't expect anyone to because this is so complex. I want to start off by saying that I am not advocating for not having exposure. This is really important for me to make sure that you understand What I am advocating for is for being a direct shareholder. I am advocating for owning shares in a publicly traded company, and I want to make sure that you can do both. You can have exposure, and you can also become a direct shareholder. This doesn't have to be one or the other. The most common way of having exposure of the stock market is via a 401k. Most of us are familiar with 401ks because it has been the normalized experience when it comes to investing. We're introduced to 401ks by our employers. Many employers offer benefits like matching a contribution to your 401k by a percentage. Side note whatever your employer matches, you want to make sure that you are contributing that same amount, always. We never want to leave free money on the table and this is free money. All right, so the money that is put into the 401k is then invested into a fund. This is typically a stock that you pick. You do not get to pick the stocks inside of the fund. You also do not own the stocks inside of the fund. The company that owns the fund is the one that manages the stocks and owns the stocks. So you have no control over the stocks inside of the fund. There are many companies that own these funds. The two biggest companies are Vanguard and BlackRock. You may have already heard of them. There are different types of funds. In order to keep this simple, we are not going to get into the thousands of funds that are accessible. It is just important for you to understand that what you have is exposure. Again, you have no control over what the fund managers buy or sell and when they buy or sell. This type of investment is considered a safer option because you experience less volatility. Volatility is when you feel the drastic swings of the market going up and down. It's so important for me to communicate that being able to emotionally withstand volatility is not impossible, most especially if you understand the movements of the market, the state of the economy, and the emotional attachment that we have to money that does not serve us and keeps us from using money as a tool. The fund is a basket of stocks. Let's look at it like a fruit basket. If one of the fruits starts to go bad, the impact on you is less because you have other fruits in the basket that may not be going bad. It doesn't mean that they're not going bad. It just means that they may not go bad. The impact is less. However, the growth is also less. This type of investment I think is great for a retirement account. A 401k generates on average an annual return of 5 to 10% a year. This means that we can expect your exposure to the stock market via a fund in your 401k to grow 5 to 10% a year. However, there is another variable called inflation. Inflation is when the value of the dollar declines. We have all familiarized ourselves with inflation in the last couple of years. But a quick example is the $100 you had a couple of years ago can no longer purchase the same amount of groceries this year. Those $100 are worth less than they were last year. Since the year 2000, we have seen an inflation rate of 2.38% on average, per year. And I just want to remind you that the inflation rate for 2022 was 8%. The inflation rate for 2021 was 4.7%. If we calculate the inflation rate against our average annual return on our 401k, we are really looking at a return of 2.62% to 5.62% because the value of the dollar has gone down. We also have to consider that the fund or the basket of fruit will only grow if the market is doing good. If the market is doing bad, then the entire basket of fruits will also go bad. I'm definitely not trying to scare you out of the market. And I will say that if you fear losing money, then we need to take a closer look at your personal relationship with money, your scarcity mindset. I cover this in my book and in my course. The work is always rooted in overcoming scarcity. Money is a tool. The value of money goes up and the value of money goes down. It's really important that as adults, we learn to be emotionally prepared for when it does both. You can get high off of the high, and you can also get really low off of the low. What most people don't understand is that when the market is low, while it does produce pain, it also produces the absolute best setup to make more money in the future, if and only if you participate. To recap, you have exposure to the stock market in your 401k. You can also have exposure to the stock market outside of your 401k via an ETF, which is also called an exchange-traded fund, or via just a fund. Again, these are baskets of stocks that you buy into. You do not own these stocks, you bought into the fund. The fund is the owner and the manager of these stocks. You have the opportunity to invest into these funds via your 401k, and you also have the opportunity to invest in these funds directly within a brokerage account. I break down a brokerage account in my book, how to open one step by step. So definitely check that out. As a reminder, I do not think that you should not be invested into funds or a 401k. My perspective is that you should also be invested in direct ownership of publicly traded companies. Purchasing stock directly makes you a shareholder of a publicly traded company. This means that you are in part owner of the company that you decide to purchase. A lot of people, most especially those that are not invested in the stock market, will tell you that the stock market is risky. It's really important for us to pay attention to who is giving us advice on the stock market, despite what they do, even if they work in finance. I have found that the majority of people that tell me that the stock market is risky have never even invested. They're giving me hearsay advice. If they are invested in the stock market and they are still discouraging you from investing, they may potentially believe that you are not capable of making a profitable investment decision. I find this to be very interesting, most especially given the fact that most profitable companies in the market are the ones that we as consumers decide to purchase every single day. Are there companies in the market that you should not be investing into? Absolutely, just like there's a bunch of crap out there that we should not be purchasing. I want us to take a look at a couple of my favorite publicly traded companies and how they have increased over the years. I purchased my iPod in 2007, and it was definitely a game changer on my evening runs, but it wasn't something that I really saw as vital or life-changing. It wasn't until 2012 when I purchased my first iPhone. I was so attached to my freaking Blackberry that I could never see the day where I would switch. I was influenced by a lot of my colleagues that had iPhones. I gave it a shot in 2012 and I will never forget the shift in experience. Once the iPhone clicked for me and made it so much easier to work from my phone, I knew that I wanted to move over from using a PC to using a Mac. And quickly after that, I was only interested in Apple products. Since then, Apple's stock has increased over 1000%. If we average that out over the last 11 years since 2012, Apple has increased 90% year over year this is 82 percent more than a fund that would have increased eight percent a year that's assuming that the fund performed at its best let's take a look at another publicly traded company my mom discovered costco in 1990 she cleaned houses and she was really smart with money so she understood the power of buying in bulk Every weekend after church, we would go to Costco, load up on cleaning supplies, and of course our household items and groceries. She freaking loved it. And I'm not going to front, I did too. The samples, the hot dog, and the Coke after our purchase, it was just like a ritual. We loved it there. I was 10 at the time that my mom made that introduction. I am also a Costco household. And I'm willing to bet that if Costco is still around by the time my son is an adult, he will most likely also be a Costco household. He loves the samples just like I did when I was little, except he's not getting the glizzy, he's getting the slice of pizza. By the way, did you know that Costco is one of the biggest pizza distributors in the US? Crazy, right? Since 1990, Costco stock has gone up over 5,500%. Imagine if my mom would have understood the stock market and then placed value on Costco in her life and towards her business and became a shareholder. Game changer. I've been a member of Costco since 2007. My mom actually gifted me a one-year membership for Christmas. And since 2007, Costco stock has grown almost 900%. If I had invested when I became a member and had the ability to identify the significance of the membership being gifted to me by my mother, and that this was a membership that I would most certainly value, and I had invested in the company, then the return on the investment would have been 56% a year, 48% more than the return of a fund, if the fund would have averaged 8%. I dare you to look at some of your favorite publicly traded companies to see how much they've gone up from the time that you knew that they were going to be a staple in your life. I dare you to check. The other benefit to owning a publicly traded company is the voting rights that you have. You're able to vote on important issues with the company. Can you imagine the power that we would have if at least 25% of direct owners were people of color? As it stands right now, 90% of direct shareholders are white. And check this, the top 10% of the most wealthiest people in this country own 88.6% of stocks. Why is that? I really want you to think about this. What do they understand that the majority of us don't? Why is the focus for Americans to save for retirement accounts or invest in funds and real estate? Why aren't we learning about direct ownership? These are the types of questions that keep me up at night. I've created so many resources to help us through this process. This isn't about finding a needle in a haystack or a get-rich-quick scheme. This is about understanding this game. This is about the long term. This is about education. This is about economic power. This is about generational wealth. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you're enjoying Investies, please head over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us, share this episode with friends and family that you feel would resonate. I'm your host, Linda Garcia. Investies is produced by Cosmic Standard and in Lose We Trust. A big thank you to the team, Eliza Smith, Jacob Winnick, Asia Simpson, and Nina gensler Dubs.